I'm Mary. I'm Nolan. I'm Lakita Ann. And I'm Austin. We are your hosts, and this is Your World, Your Money. We will be talking real money with real people in a real way. Because everyone deserves the opportunity and tools for freedom, financial or otherwise. Your World, Your Money is brought to you by Hangar Studios, a New York City-based recording studio, and Global Thinking Foundation, a global nonprofit working toward financial freedom and equality for all. people welcome back to your world your money i'm one of your hosts mary and our other host today is nolan hi there so happy to be here hey nolan i'm not sure about you but this pandemic has not been the most glamorous look for me i've confirmed that my very real ocd never chilled out or went away ever i might actually be a candidate for a hermit's life and If for any reason I ever believed I was good at work-life balance boundaries, I was truly 100% completely lying to myself. Doesn't exist. But one thing I didn't have to come to terms with during these pandemic days was being a parent at home. I didn't have to learn how to be perpetually stuck with a little mini version of my own crazy. And I remember this meme that one of my brothers sent into our family group chat and it was amazing. And I was like, that's so funny. I don't have kids, so I don't get it. But like, that's really funny. And the meme says, if the schools are closed for too long, the parents are going to find a vaccine before the scientists. That's good. And honestly, that doesn't sound too far from the truth. I imagine a lot of the scientists working for a vaccine are probably parents themselves, parents who want to safely send their kids back to school and sports practice and after school clubs. And honestly, kids want to go back even more. Uh, You know, they deserve education and deserve to be with their friends. Seeing as we are not really the experts on kids, Uh, not at all, we asked a friend and super expert to come and talk with us about money and kids and everything in between. Our guest expert today is Sabrina Lamb. Now I'll give you Sabrina's bio here. For almost 16 years, founder Sabrina Lamb has been the CEO of theworldofmoney.org, which is the leading provider of 120 immersive classroom hours of youth financial education based in the tri-state New York City area. Since 2005, she has helmed the Youth Financial Education Training Institute, attracting financial experts adept in teaching youth globally. Sabrina is the author of six best-selling books, including the NAACP Image Awards-nominated Outstanding Literary Work Instructional Book, Do I Look Like an ATM? A Parent's Guide to Raising Financially Responsible African-American Children. This month, Sabrina created and just launched the worldofmoneyonline.org, a website and mobile youth financial education platform. Sabrina, thank you so much for being here. It is an honor, Nolan and Mary. Let's just have let's have this conversation. <laughs> oh, hi, Sabrina. So, how has your glamorous pandemic life been going these days? So, I know you've been creating a platform for kids to learn about money online. So how do you think the relationship between kids and parents 
and money and the home is going in this whole new world. I kind of feel like Jasmine and Aladdin with that sentence. Sorry. I'm a grown-up. I'm a grown-up, guys. Sorry. I'm going to give it to Serena. <laughs> I think that parents globally are struggling. First of all, parents and children are trying to decide whether they really like each other. Because, you know, usually it's just the <laughs> part-time engagement. Everyone leaves at nine o'clock to go somewhere and they only have to deal with each other for a certain amount of time a day. And of course, the weekends. But now there's a, a terrific opportunity amongst all this tragedy. So this is a really fantastic opportunity for parents and children to come together and determine as a, when it comes to money to hit the reset button and so that everyone can become financial team leaders and to to yank off this this guise that you know we're all in Disneyland and everything is wonderful when there are real life financial decisions that everyone in the in the household needs to have a conversation about rally behind and to uh, make sure that everyone works together based upon financial education for a financially secure future. I love that you said money team members. I think that that's such a fantastic way of phrasing it. And that kind of immediately takes us into, into the homes and like into this relationship with parents and children. And what I think about is how do parents and kids talk about money? I mean, like we said, I'm not an expert. I talk to kids about money. Like I talk to my brother and he's 30. Ooh, if he listens to this, he can be mad. 35. Ooh, this is gonna be fun. Um, but you know, I don't necessarily know how to talk to kids about money. So in the home, how does that language and those habits, how do they look when it comes to talking about money? Well, Mary, actually, you do know how to have that conversation about money. Maybe you don't have it often, but you do know how to have that conversation about money. And it really starts from one's mindset. I mean, uh, uh, my book, Do I Look Like an ATM? Parents' Guide to Raising Financially Responsible African-American Children. Actually, it's really for all parents, no matter where the, their cultural background is. First, the, the parent or that team member needs to unpack their own financial belief systems. Are you a Disneyland type adult? or parent? Are you a dictator? Meaning I, whatever I say goes and you should just sit there and just be a spectator. Um, are you a martyr type parent or adult? Meaning I must sacrifice myself for everyone and everything that I love without making sure that I first have or, or financially secure. This thing called money, which is one of the most powerful currencies in the world besides love and your spiritual religious practice, is, is one that we, we can never escape, although sometimes we do. There will come a time, particularly when that child becomes 18 and they go out into the world and they're you know confronted with financial issues. And this is, wow, my mother and my father never had a conversation with me about this powerful you know, currency in my life. Why? And it's usually because of the parent or the adult, whether it's an aunt or a loved one who has amazing, you know, intentions, but it's because of their, that parent or that adult's mindset that keeps them from saying, we're going to hit the reset button. So everyone is empowered. That's around our family table. So when a parent or adult has a new conversation and a very, very honest, transparent conversation with themselves 
where they unpack their own financial beliefs regarding money. That is the fantastic opportunity for their own liberation. Um, often when we talk about money and, you know, what everybody else should do and I should talk to my child and so forth. First, we have to start with self. Everything starts with self. Then we can bring the child in because, mind you, children, whether they're one or 21, have been watching the parent or the adult um, interaction with money since they were an infant. That's why children mostly are sociopaths when it comes to money, right? Because they've been watching the parents scream about it, avoid it, and manipulate the parents so that they can get what they want all the time as opposed to their needs. And I can say this because I was a financial terrorist sociopath in my family because my parents who were our amazing parents they their their mindset my father was a dictator who meaning this is not a conversation that should be you know engaged with with children and my mother she still believes that she's the queen of england so as a child being a sociopath i was able to manipulate those two parent mindsets to get everything that i that i wanted that's why i really relate to children because I see myself and they, they say, oh, she, she has me because she used to be me. <laughs> um, so you actually started to go into it in how we have to know ourselves before we can really start to have this conversation with kids or, you know, anyone else that is relying on us. And so how do, how do we make that shift? Like how do we make that shift so that when we talk about money, it, is there a like a, a template or a one size fits all or is it a you know what you have to find what's good and what's bad and go with it because we often avoid opening that email that bill or that letter that's coming from a I would say lay everything out on the table and before we review everything ask let's ask ourselves does our life matter does our life have meaning Because if you do not believe as a parent or an adult, if you do not believe that your life has meaning, then you will not save one nickel towards your own to save your own life. The purpose of money, of course, is to provide options and access. But first, you're not going to save because you believe. Mike Tyson, the boxer, once told me years ago, he, he earned over $500 million in the ring. And he gave away every nickel or lost every nickel because he did not believe that he deserved to have that money. So the question is, you know, do we use money to satisfy this emptiness we feel inside? Because sometimes when I'm buying chocolate, I'm not feeling so well. I get that, you know, but are we using money for our own liberation, our own empowerment, or are we using for manipulation for our own financial security what are we using money for to, manip- to manipulate others? What are we using money for? And once, once we answer that, that question, it goes back to, you know, uh, in terms of how we engage others, particularly children. That makes a lot of sense. And how do parents think about engaging children in like the most transparent way possible? Alternatively, are there ways that parents can sometimes bring about money issues, money skills, money lessons they want to instill upon their children, but do it in kind of a sneaky way. Is, the, are there, is it always better for parents to be very transparent or sometimes, you know, a little underhanded about it? No, because children understand that you're being on and they will never trust you. 
They'll never trust you. And particularly, they'll never trust you regarding this issue. So you lied to me about that. You hit that bill. You hid, um, you took the money from my piggy bank. And they're not understanding maybe that mother took the money from the piggy bank because she needed to pay the electric bill or something, you know? But you, you're always transparent. You're always including them. You're always including the children in a conversation. But parents have to understand, too, that uh, children, they have mastered the pout factor. That means that they know that if they pout for, let's say, 10 minutes, they understand what the what the the longevity or the duration of the pout is that they can get what they want. Or if they whine and they understand the tone of the whine, they know that that can actually trigger that parent being able to give them what they want. And why, again, why do they do this? Why, how, do, how have children mastered the pout factor and the wine factor is because they've been watching the, the parent, you know, navigate this thing called money since they were infants and parents respond to it. So it, it really goes back again to self and understanding the pout factor and ignoring that and the wine factor and ignoring that and having weekly meetings with the children around the table and empower your children to say, okay, what is our savings goal as a family this year? And my child, this is your responsibility. I want you to go around and look at our home and for the appliances, the cable service. And I want you to tell me how much does it cost to operate this household? And then have them to come back because when I've when we've done that at World of Money, children are horrified. You're paying two hundred dollars a month for cable. They're outraged because children also have this, you know, they're fair and but they're also competitive and they want their their family to win. But if their parents are spending over two hundred dollars and we don't have any money in the savings account, then they say, oh no, we're, we're, we need to do something different. So understand parents that, you know, your family is a business. There are revenues, there are expenses, all of that, you know, there are risks. So having the child part of that conversation to determine how as a family, can we have more revenues coming in the door? And the child is going to say, you mean you have more money? Yes. You know, and have them to come up with a, a plan. The other thing too, is that you can't be in unless you see it. I always say everyone should start with a, a vision board. And, and many times that, you know, many people are home or uh, have times on the weekend. As a family, create a vision board on how you want to experience life as a family. Have the, the children cut out, you know, uh, maybe it's, a, you know, a new home or, or a savings account or attending a, a university or philanthropy and have those visions as a family so that everyone's on the same track. But if we're never having that conversation, what happens is when the child leaves and departs for university, when they're 18, 19 years old, without having a, a conversation, you, you expose your child to a couple things. One, they're probably going to be victims of legal financial scams and predatory, predatory uh, financial services. That's Number one, payday loans, um, rent-a-centers, check cashing. They will avoid financial institutions. They will not 
understand how to research financial institutions to find where they should you know, store their money so they can earn the highest level of interest. Number two is that you know, children who have had early financial education, they will not experience as highs and lows, a roller coaster of emotions when it comes to money. They will not allow themselves to be manipulated in relationships, in, in romantic relationships with this, this thing called money. For example, this happens a lot with women. They feel that if without that financial education and that beliefs, belief in self, they will go out into the world and say, well, I need to take care of the needs of my boyfriend. Meanwhile, I have nothing. And then third, the, the children that have early financial education, they tend to do well um, academically as well, as well as in life. But they also understand because of the power of money that they use it for good. You know, our approach at World of Money is holistic. It's not about hoard or greed. It's using this powerful currency to give, to, you know, to provide a community service. That's why you see a lot of financially successful people engaged in philanthropy. We want parents to engage that or to have that conversation with, with children around that family table when we're talking about the family business. Okay, what is our giving goal this year? You know, who are we going to benefit this year? That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I got to say it rings true with something I know, which is just children are way smarter always than we pick up on or we give them credit for. And yeah, it's, it's we should never underestimate them, I think. Um, I got to ask, if, I, if I'm a parent right now listening to this, and I haven't done those things, I haven't been transparent about family finances uh, thus far in my child's life, I haven't had straight, fo- straightforward conversations with them. I haven't brought them into the financial decisions. I, I might be a little worried because I, I, I feel like I may have missed out on something there. Would you say there's an age that is too late? Is there an age at which these like financial lessons are kind of ingrained into children? Or can they really pick, pick up these skills at any level? They can pick up the skills at any level. And every day that you're living is a new opportunity. It's a new opportunity to breathe life into your financial security. It's never too late. You know, Nolan, you know, uh, the under part of uh, your question is, you know, a lot of parents feel embarrassed. They feel, oh, my gosh, I haven't succeeded financially. My house is in an uproar. I'm never going to let my child, I'm not going to be transparent with my child because I would look like an idiot. First, understand that your child loves you. They already know that the, you know, that you might be, you know, up. they know. <laughs> they know. They may not know all the details, but asking for their, um, their camaraderie you know, and, you know, telling them, you know, and showing them how we're going to navigate this together is the best way to bond. The, the best way not to bond is not to be transparent, you know, and say together as a family, we're going to hit the reset button and we're going to learn together because children who have, who have attended World of Money, whose parents do not have, you know, access to the kind of financial education that we provide, you know, they say, oh my gosh, the kind of conversations we now have as a, as a family unit, you know, my child is more helpful. My child is more empathetic. My child is more giving and my child wants to learn more. 
in, in terms of changing the financial trajectory of our family's life. So you do not do yourself a favor by not having this conversation. And it's almost like get it's about you, but it's not about you. And when you have someone that lives, you know, under the same roof who loves you, you know, give yourself a break as a parent and hit the reset button. I'm listening to this and thinking, wait, a lot of this resonates with me as a grown up. <laughs> uh, I imagine there's loads <laughs> of people out there that are like, oh, this is resonating with me. Um, and I can't remember the last time I was a teenager. Um, but I love what you were saying uh, about these, these just sitting down and having the conversation and kind of like, almost having this gathering, bringing the the team, the quote unquote team together. And I wanted to ask, so let's say you do that. Let's say whether you've been doing it or you have it, you have your weekly meetings, you bring the, the team together and you're being transparent. Um, and I love the exercise of just like going around the house. That is awesome. But I'm also thinking like, are there soft skills that parents can implement that might not necessarily have the words like money and value in the sentence, but it's teaching kids about money and value just in like their everyday, you know, doing whatever it is that you do, but it's kind of just instilling that idea of things have value and monetary value is, you know, seen this way in the family. Mm -hmm. So I think that parents will do a service to their children by showing them how money flows. It still goes back to financial education. You know, when we uh, teach children how, um, let's say, an orange or a sneaker gets to their body or in their mouth, they're often horrified. You know, I remember, I'm not going to name the tech company, but, you know, when we were showing those uh, factories in Asia and how many of those children that were creating our smartphones were throwing themselves off the building. And so our age rising moguls were, you know, because we're working 14 hours a day with low compensation and horrible conditions. And when our when our students um, and this was the section for ages 10 to 12 were horrified, they wrote, you know, passionate Uh, letters to the CEO of that tech company. So it's not about, well, I'm not going to, I have to, you know, shadow or make sure my child does not see any of the horrors in the world. They already know, but you know, this, this allows them to have more empathy to others and not so, you know, mired in consumerism. It's like an obsession um, to, to purchase a new whatever it is every six months when you don't have, you know, a six month emergency fund. But I get it because America basically is a land of consumerism. You know, we manufacture very little, you know, entrepreneurship is not the the, fa- the first um, priority on our list. And according to the um, organization of economic and community develop development, America is number 17th in the world. Okay, and China's number one. They're very intentional about entrepreneurship for young people. But as a country, they decided that this is going to be our focus. And when you look at other um, the countries that, you know, you consider them third world, very young children because they don't have any opportunity safety nets. They don't have any employment programs and social security and so forth. From the moment you come on the planet, your focus is creating a business. Why? Because there's no other opportunities other than you creating your own business. 
Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And it, it, it tr- we truly are products of our environment, right? So Sabrina, we went out and actually got some questions from parents that we wanted to uh, shoot to you and, and see uh, what you had to say. So I'm going to start us off there. These, these, are, these are a few questions from Yosef in Crown Heights, and it revolves around savings, savings accounts for kids. What age should kids start a savings account and what kind of savings account should they put their money into? And then should they have access to that savings account or should it be something kind of separate from their control? Um, and similarly, should, they, should parents be encouraging kids to put all of their money into those savings accounts or should there be a, an arrangement where some of that uh, is set aside for their mm-hmm. own spending? That's a great decisions? question. So, um, I believe that a savings account needs to be established from the moment the child comes into the planet. And I think that uh, I know that going visiting branches is not the way of the right now and may not be for the future. But I do think that that child needs to go and see or even online see where their money is stored and to schedule meetings with the bank representative and say, is this the highest interest rate that you are going to pay me to keep my money here. There's a, an old adage called pay yourself first. And the earlier the child gets that concept, if they start very early putting away $5 a day, by the time they're 40 or 50 or 60, they amass over half a million dollars. They need to see how money loves money and it accumulates, but they also need to uh, always challenge the financial institution where they store their money because there may be another um, financial institution that pays them more interest. You know, parents need to understand that their money is being used to help other people. So why don't you use your money and make sure that the institution that you have that money, you know, that's paying you the highest interest. And and in terms of access, it's the why. And what are we what are we spending our money for? Uh, do are we spending our money for more liabilities, or are we spending our money to accumulate assets? Right now, Nolan and Mary, I have a closet filled with liabilities. That's all that that is. It's clothes that have depreciated from the moment I purchased them. Okay, and so when you teach children that assets accumulate value over time. So, yes, have fun. There's some things that I purchased that are just fun. And, in term, and definitely a college fund needs to be established. And if you can go, on, you can go online and see the different, where, whatever state that you reside, the different types of 529, what, what is the best decision for your family. But as soon as that child comes onto the planet, that account needs to be open and that child needs, needs to see exactly, you know, what's happening there as opposed to, oh, voila, you're 18 and here's your savings account. No, we need to start as soon as engage them with money very, very early. That actually is something that you mentioned that I think is so important. And I love that you said it just like, I love it like crazy is that there has to be a comfort. We have to take away that fear very early on of banking institutions and financial institutions. I think that as grownups, especially, but also this gets put on, gets put on kids is that there's this concept, especially culturally that, oh, you don't go into a bank. Like they're not going to help you. They're not going to have your best interest. And that mindset is so 
negative. And, and I, I just absolutely love that what you were saying is like, take that fear away, create comfort there and have the kid ask those questions. It's like, is this the best interest rate? Can I do better? Hey mom, let's go down the street. I, I think I saw, I think I saw another bank down there. Like, I just, I love that you said that. They have, they have your money, people. <laughs> you, have a, you have a right to have a conversation and to challenge them. You know, I, I just think that, like you said, exposure in financial institutions. And that's why, you know, I was listing, listing uh, what, why financial education is so imperative. And particularly in these, you know, precarious times that we live in that have opportunity for financial success. And then there's, there's obviously the, the reverse is that during these times, people feel a little bit desperate. And that's when these predators pop up, you know, with their YouTube channels and everything, you can make a thousand dollars a month. And, you know, the person, and it's always an adult, you know, falls for it, loses their every dollar that they have is because back to that emotion and that desperation, that lack of financial education, you know, and they're going for that shiny thing, whether it's a celebrity or very charismatic person saying you need to pour your money into this thing where I'm saying, let's start with the basics. Have a savings account that you fund, you know, do you have, are you invested even a little bit? And some people say, well, what should I invest in? Look around your home. What brand do you, you know, use religiously? So instead of being a consumer, you should also be an investor, whether that's, you know, a a fractional share or a whole share of that company of that refrigerator or your smartphone or whatever. You're, you're already invested, but you receive zero return on your because you're only a consumer. So we had one other um, a friend that sent in a question. So this is from Aisha in Brooklyn, and it really comes into like the relational aspect. So she shared, both my son's dad and I grew up without And we didn't always get the best of life like other kids did. But my upbringing was more humble. His dad took the other route. And now that he has money, he kind of blows it. How do I, as the primary parent, counter the other parent's influence? So when my son gets money, he doesn't want to spend it right away. I believe that that question is the anthem for parents, particularly if they're not under the same household throughout the world. And somehow there has to be a a meeting between the two parents and address the emotional issues that they experienced regarding money when they were, when they were children, often parents who, you know, were raised in dire situations will use money to say, I don't want my child to ever experience any angst at all when the result will be often, particularly when it's a, a, a mother and mothers, I call them the martyr, the martyr parents. Typically, they will say, I'm going to sacrifice everything because I don't want them to feel anything, any sadness, any lack that I experience. And then what that child walks away with is that gender parent Their duty in life is to, or that gender is obligated and um, is obligated to give me whatever I want. I don't have to take responsibility for my own life, you know, and, and I don't have to take any financial responsibility for my own life. 
And so the martyr type parent, the Disneyland parent is not doing their children any favors. And where possible, I would say those two parents need to have a separate meeting and say, we understand what our background was and is, but let's determine together to give our child, let's, let's raise, develop eagle, financial eagle children who have more financial knowledge that are not using money for because to, to fill our own, our own emptiness that they're using it so that they are fluent in this world of money. And of course, I would always encourage everyone to log on to worldofmoneyonline.org and, and begin their child's financial education. No matter what circumstances they came through or came from, um, please give your child a, a new a reset when it comes to your family's uh, trajectory when it comes to money. Absolutely. I could not say that louder or with more emphasis, um, worldofmoney.org. If you can go on and get your kids started, um, it will help them with a reset. And also, and Sabrina, you shared this, I think it's going to be a reset for the parents too. It'll be there for you as well. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. I think Nolan and I have been sitting here like nodding our heads like, oh my gosh, this is so true. And I'm sitting here like, I don't have little crazy mini versions of me, but if I did... If I did, I'd feel so much better about it now. I'd be like, that's right. You're gonna become that's right. like awesome financial <laughs> people. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate you both. This was great. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Nolan. You've been listening in with your world, your money. You can find us at ywympodcast.com and stay updated on Instagram at Global Thinking Foundation USA. Be sure to rate and review us and you can reach us with questions or thoughts at hi at ywympodcast.com. Our thanks again to Hangar Studios and Global Thinking Foundation. Thanks, friends. Happy money making. See you next time.